welcome to Literacy Lunch Break. I'm your host, Marjorie Botari. We are joined today by Cheryl Allison, a Decodable Book author, and we are so excited to dig in with her as she shares the importance of using decodable text when teaching foundational skills to students. Stick around after the show and we will share where you can read and purchase some of Cheryl's decodable books. Cheryl has written a variety of decodable texts and I have to tell you, I have been lucky enough to read her writing and her books and they are not only interesting, but highly decodable, some of the best that I've ever read. So I am so excited to be joined with Cheryl today. Thank you so much for joining us, Cheryl. Thank you so much, Marjorie. That was a very welcoming intro and very flattering. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So uh, as I said, I've had the opportunity to read a variety of decodable texts because we know how important it is. So when I work with teachers, when I work with students, that is something that I am consistently saying, we need to make sure that we have access to this decodable text. When I was lucky enough to read yours, I was again, blown away because not only is it highly engaging, but it also meets that critical role and that need to make sure students can apply those skills we're teaching them, phonemic awareness, phonics, and understand how that plays a role in being able to read and spell words. So before we jump into decodability and all of that critical importance, I would love to just get some background on what got you here. Give us a little snapshot of how you became an author of Decodable Text. Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, my fascination with um, reading and how children learn to read goes back a long, long way. Um, I was actually a delayed reader myself. Um, I do remember in kindergarten, I had um, low vision and um, I had actually had eye surgery. So I was legally blind throughout kindergarten. Um, And that led me um, to having delayed reading. I had an an excellent kindergarten teacher um, who had, you know, she went through rigorous phonemic awareness and phonics. Um, But it was during a time, um, you know, in the 70s, when back then classrooms read aloud together. And the philosophy was, is, is that if you just read and read and read more, mm-hmm. children are going to learn it by osmosis somehow. <laughs> so, but my kindergarten teacher was very, very good. Unfortunately, by the time I got my vision back in first grade, there really wasn't much phonics instruction. So I did not learn to read until I was in the third grade. Um, and I remember um, we were reading The Giant Turnip. And I remember the teacher, she kept telling me what the word is. And I wasn't the kind of child that spoke much. But on that day, I said, (laughs) you keep telling me what the word is, but you're not telling me how you know. Um, And bless her, when I came in the next week, I was, she had put me into a phonics intervention program. I went to the corner with one other student. We put our headphones on and we did phonics, phonics, phonics. So I went from, in the third grade, from not being able to read at the start at all to winning the spelling bee. Wow. So, I mean, from then on, I was just always fascinated by, right. by how children learn to read. Um, I always tested, you know, I went, I, I was well above my reading level by uh, grade four. And it was because of that phonics. Right. 
And I can definitely um, point back to that. Yes. Um, I, I have to say that's pretty amazing that you were able to advocate for yourself, right? Don't tell me what the word is. Tell me how you know what that word right. is. Right. What is this? I was always thinking, what is this special code that yes. they all know, but no one's telling me? <laughs> and you it know, is a special code. That's it what is decoding a special is. Code. That's exactly what I was going to say, right? It, it, it truly is yeah. a code. And I think sometimes we forget that. that you're able to recall specifically, right, how you were able to learn to read because your vision played a major role in, mm -hmm. in, in impacting that. Sometimes as adults, when we think back to what made us readers or how do we learn to read, we really can't pinpoint the phonemic awareness, that phonics instruction and that critical role that it plays in learning how to read words. And sometimes we do think we just memorize words, right? Oh, we just know that word as a whole visual unit. But your story really does illustrate that importance of being able to understand that print that we see is representing mm -hmm. the sounds that we hear in words. And while you weren't able to see the words, in, you know, when you were going through the vision challenges, your mm -hmm. kindergarten teacher built this foundation by digging into that phonemic awareness. Oh, she did. She was uh, she was ahead of her time. Um, we had very rigorous phonemic awareness um, and phonics, too. Unfortunately, I couldn't right. see the, right. the letters. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, that that foundation was critical um, in. Uh, helping me make really speedy uh, progress in the phonics intervention. Yeah. And um, so it yeah. was, you know, I had some factors working against me, but I, I mean, I remember specific lessons in kindergarten. Wow. I remember lessons from the phonics intervention. As far as the, the main reading group, I don't remember much other than we kept just reading aloud and reading aloud and no one <laughs> was telling me. Yeah, and it wasn't doing it for you, right? You weren't learning. I was, how to yeah, I, I was always word. looking at yes. I was always looking at the other students. You know, right. what are their eyes doing? What are they looking at? What do they know? <laughs> mm, yes. And unfortunately, that's still, you know, the case for many students today. Sometimes, you know, your particular case is vision, but we know there's many readers um, that don't receive this explicit foundation or explicit instruction in foundational skills. And that leads to that same type of wondering, what do they know that I don't know? Or perhaps maybe I'm just not a reader and I don't know how to do this and I'm never going to become a reader. And that, that really speaks to that role of the critical importance of decodable text. Now I know you shared your experience as a learner as you were growing up, but as, um, as you became a parent, Right. I know with your daughter, you had a similar path, but for different reasons. Can you speak right. a little bit to that? Right. Oh, absolutely. I was actually um, already 10 years into my career as a curriculum developer, and I had already written, you know, uh, decodable readers and on, you know, development of phonics programs. Um, and then in she struggled to read from the very beginning and to learn her alphabet. Then in third grade, we took her for a, a private evaluation and she was diagnosed with dyslexia and her dyslexia was quite profound and it really enhanced my understanding of how children learn to read. So um, very, we were very fortunate in that I already had a lot of knowledge Mm -hmm. that I could help her. Um, so we're fortunate in that respect. 
but um, I know it can be a challenge for many children for different reasons. So, I mean, there are children with dyslexia. There are children without, um, you know, uh, the background knowledge for reading. I didn't have concepts of print, you know, because back then we were farmers. We didn't have books at home. So I went into yeah. my kindergarten year not knowing basic concepts of print. So, Right. And so I know um, when we had discussed a quotable text before, we talked about, yes, it's important, right? Because, again, when we read words, we are reading that the symbols that we see are representing the sounds that we hear in language. And we need students to understand that because, as you said, it is a code. We have to understand that we can blend sounds together to read words or we can hear a word and segment it and it can help us spell words. We can even change sounds, right, to read and spell right. words. Um, but as we think about decodable text, there's often the other side that says, well, this is so boring. This, I mean, who wants to read a book about, you know, Ned, Ned sitting, you know, or touching his head or whatever, not, it wouldn't even be that because the spelling's different. But oftentimes we get those, you know, texts that aren't really that <laughs> interesting yeah. for kids. And so as you spoke about language, because I heard you talk about that too, background and understanding language, when we think about decodable text, we know that's a critical component, right? Students need to be able to read or decode the words. But I think something that really stands out in your work and why we really wanted to have a conversation with you is you're able to make decodable text, but the stories are engaging and you know you you want to read that. It makes sense. It's the way we would speak. It's language that we know. And I know you've had some experience either with you or your daughter, sometimes reading text that maybe didn't make so much sense. It was decodable, right. but it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Can you speak to your experience with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, for a, a, a book, if the book doesn't make sense, if what they're reading doesn't make sense, they, they don't, they lose the purpose of, of why we read. Um, so when I, uh, was working with her on um, with her phonics and dyslexia. She um, would often read these texts that were provided and decode they were decodable and they were 100% decodable. Um, but they just didn't make a lot of sense. And she would struggle because while she's decoding, her intelligent mind is is trying to make sense of this. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't make sense, she's like, she just, she said, what are they trying to say? She would just stop <laughs> and what are they trying to say? And so I would explain it. She said, well, why don't they just say it then? Mm -hmm. And so I had to tell her, oh, you know, I was trying to explain why it has to be decodable. And then I thought, you know what? This could make more sense. <laughs> it could. <Yes. laughs> so I sat down, I wrote decodable text for her. She helped me edit some. And yeah, so we just, we had fun with it. And I think that's so, so important. You have to balance having decodable de text because you don't want to encourage students to guess. Um, that can be very damaging to reading prog progress. Um, but at the same time, it has to make sense and it has to be fun and interesting to read. Exactly. And it's not, it's not easy to write decodable text. That's fun and interesting and also decodable. So again, great job in creating these highly engaging texts. I, I'd like to go back to that, that comment you made about guessing. So right. that again is something we talk a lot about in the reading world, right? There's 
different schools of thought about how we learn to read words. And for some people, they say, you know, it's a fine. If, you know, if they're guessing, they're using their background knowledge or they're using the context, they're using what they know to read words, but we know they're not really reading those words, right? Right, right. So you mentioned how detrimental guessing can be. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Maybe your experience, your, oh. you know, your experience with your daughter, or just what you know about what happens when students get into that habit of guessing words? Um, I mean, it's not, it's not uh, good for many students, but it's particularly damaging for a dyslexic. And unfortunately, oftentimes, uh, children are not diagnosed with dyslexia until they're well into mm -hmm. their elementary years and they've developed really bad habits. And it can take a long, long time to overcome that guessing. Um, because, you know, I always tell my daughter, they're, you know, all dyslexics are smart because, you know, that's just part of the diagnosis. And she's very clever. She got, she was very clever and got really good at pretending to read. Um, and it's, it's hard to break that habit and to get them to focus on actual decoding of the words. Um, in fact, on her diagnosis, it says, you know, do not let her read texts that are not decodable um, because it's, it's, it's too damaging and limiting. It's hard yeah. to make progress after that. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's such a, a, an important point because again, we know as we talk about, this is the way we learn to read. So we want to, we want to teach that early on, build that foundation. But when we think about what happens when we don't is I always share it with teachers and, you know, parents is young kids can really trick us, can't they? Right. When we think yes. about <laughs> kindergarten and first grade, we have a lot of kiddos. They can look like readers because they've done exactly that, Cheryl. They've memorized some words as whole visual units, right? Because we can do that. We can memorize some words as whole right. visual units. And some we need to. Efficient. Yeah. And we can, like you said, your daughter can kind of use that background knowledge or use what they know to kind of expect or guess a lot of these words. And when we're using things like predictable text or leveled mm -hmm. readers and using pictures, again, we, we can really look like readers, but we're not. And, and, you know, it can be really misleading in the primary grades when mm -hmm. children learn to guess and they become mm -hmm. really good at, at, you know, studying the pictures and figuring yes. out what it says. And on paper, it looks like they're just making astounding progress. But then when they get into third and fourth grade, when there's fewer and fewer pictures, mm -hmm. uh, that's when it really shows that, you know, their decoding abilities, um, they're really not fluent. And, and, and by that time, um, you know, you've got to, you got to make up a lot of ground by that time. Exactly. Yep. So you have to make up a lot of ground and that's the, it's, so you're going backwards, but what we know is the older students are when we try to intervene, it takes longer, right? It takes more time. It takes mm -hmm. a, a lot more, um, effort and that, you know, that, that instruction has to has to be more explicit, more, more repetitions, more practice, because we're trying to create these new habits, create these new maps in our brain. 
Um, so that, that guessing is, again, very tricky for our younger learners, but that, again, <laughs> plays that role of decodable text. And I think that kind of brings me to thinking about decodable text as, again, it is a critical component of our literacy instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we think about in the perfect world, if we taught reading right from the very beginning and we were teaching <laughs> those foundational skills and we were applying these skills using decodable text, you know, a lot of times I, I hear the question of like, well, you know, I'm working with a fourth or a fifth grader. Why, why am I still in decodable text? Is decodable text something we need always or does it have a certain uh, need? And then we can progress from, from the decodability. Right. Um, well, and, and that often, you know, depends on your students and are, uh, are you working with whole group and small group and intervention? But I mean, kids are really learning to decode um, and still solidifying that up through sixth grade. Um, and you get into more morphology when you yes. get into fourth and fifth and sixth grade. And that's really critical as well. Um, and, you know, I know that um, decodable texts have sort of a, a poor reputation, <laughs> Um, with teachers because, you know, they're boring, they don't make sense. Um, but, you know, that was part of why I, I love writing decodable text is, is to make them fun and interesting. Right. So, and I think yeah. they are important, particularly for dyslexics and students and in intervention um, mm-hmm. to, to go into uh, higher elementary as well. Yes. And and that I think is um, something that we can consider as we think about that role of decodability, right? I think as we're working with younger learners, we really want that high level of decodability. And as they start to master some of the the skills and understand, you know, the different ways we can represent those sounds with print, we start to pull back on some of that decodability and allow them to apply these skills. But I think as we think about decodability and the option of using what you know when we teach phonemic awareness phonics and you know fluency versus just trying to guess by using background knowledge or clues or pictures is as you mentioned eventually you can't rely on that habit anymore because when you start to read content and you start to read multi-syllabic words or words that are brand new to you if you don't have these skills what do you do Right. right Right. And you had mentioned you brought your daughter to be evaluated in third grade, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And you also referred to third and fourth grade being when you start to see a lot mm-hmm. of students lacking these skills, right? Um, and so as we think about that and the role, again, of decodability, we also want to think about that role of language. And so right. I'm really interested in in how you write these texts, how you come up with the stories and how you come up with the patterns. And I'm, I'm just wondering if that's something, if we could have you back again to now that we understand really the, the why, how important and powerful decodable texts are, if you would come back and share just a little bit of the craft of how you're able to create those texts, what goes through your mind, your considerations as you write such high quality and engaging text. Oh, I, I would love to be back. It is an absolute honor um, to uh, talk to you, Marjorie, about these and to work with Hegarty. Um, it, it's just, it, it's it been an honor and a, and a highlight of my year. So I would love to come back. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to uh, walk through that process and really dig into decodable text more, but I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge of decodable text and what we need for high quality decodable text, but also your own personal experience from you and the perspective of your daughter. So thank you so much, Cheryl. We were so grateful to have you join us today. Thank you so much. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes where we explore literacy topics in a snack-sized, easily digestible format.